1: Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.
2: And now I want to invite everyone to take out your Bibles, pull out your phones, and make your way along with me to the book of Malachi, chapter 3, starting at verse 13. We're going to be hearing today about how God will make it right. So let's turn our attention now to God's word, starting at Malachi 3, verse 13, reading through the end of the book. This is what God's word says. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You said, it is vain to serve God. What's the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test. And they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of all those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him, then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, And the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I were to sum up the Bible for you, it would be this, that God created everything, and he created everything good, but that human sinned and plunged it into sin. Human beings fell and plunged the whole world into sin. And with sin came death. These first two things that i mentioned are contained within the Bible in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and 3. And the rest of the Bible tells a beautiful story. It tells us about the coming redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament all looks ahead to when Jesus is going to come and bring redemption and restoration. The New Testament tells us about that great act of Jesus living for us, dying for us, rising again from the dead for us. The New Testament letters again and again point back to that incredible work of Jesus accomplished through his life and death and resurrection. And the New Testament then again looks ahead to what is coming when Christ Jesus returns again and makes everything right creation and then fall and then redemption and then new creation this is a beautiful way to tell the story of the bible it's a beautiful way to understand the scope of this great drama which is the scriptures and this of course is a little bit of a conceptual framework for understanding what it is that the bible teaches but it's helpful for us to understand where we are to understand the problems that we face and to understand the fact that god is going to make it right and the fact that Jesus is coming to bring redemption and that Jesus will return to bring a new creation to make all things new makes sense of this passage that we are looking at right now. The stuff here that said is not only similar to an earlier part of the book of Malachi and if something's repeated in a book, we should pay attention to it because that's a theme that the Holy Spirit wanted to put in multiple times. We should take notice. It's also, what the people are saying here, very similar to what we say all the time. The people here in Malachi are questioning God's goodness. We question God's goodness and his righteousness. We question if it's worth serving him or if he's really just. And we're in the midst of global pandemic. And we're shut away in our homes. And it's getting to me. This whole distance thing is getting to me. The world seems off. And it's because the world is off. It's because the world is fallenness. This brokenness and sickness is not the way that it's supposed to be. It's all a result of sin. And this global pandemic is global because of outright lies and deception from a repressive and evil government in China. And the outright deception from that government seems to be the way of so many political leaders, not only in China, but across the whole globe and here too. And that bothers me because it's not the way that it's supposed to be. All injustice and falsehood is sin. And it exists because we live in a fallen world. But sometimes this sickness, this death, this injustice, this sin can cause us to look at God and blame him for it. And that's what's taking place here. And you may look at the world and you may look at your own experiences and you might wonder why God, why do you permit evil and injustice and sickness to be the way of this world and the way of our country? For all and for any of us who have wondered these things, we need to be humble enough to listen to the word of the Lord today. We need to hear the resounding message of Malachi 3 and 4, that God will make it right That God will bring redemption and God will bring new creation. God will make it right. God will destroy evil and sickness and death and the righteous will rejoice. So let's take a look at the four parts of this passage. There are four parts of this passage. I decided to try to go hard after ours. So we've got rebellious rumblings and then we have righteous remembrance. Then we've got right restoration And last, we've got a redeemer. These are the four different sections of the text in front of us today. Rebellious rumblings, righteous remembrance, right restoration, and a redeemer. So let's make our way through the text. The first part of it is verses 13 through 15. The rebellious rumblings. This passage is beginning here in familiar territory. The people had questioned God's justice in Malachi chapter 2, 18, and they now repeat that refrain in a familiar way. The Lord says that the words of the people have been really hard against him. They've said it is vain to serve God. They say, what is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And they say, and now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and escape. What does this mean? What are the people here in Malachi saying? Well, By saying first that it is vain to serve God, they're saying that it is pointless to be a God-fearer. If this person were talking today, they would say it's pointless to be a Christian. These rebellious rumblers were giving two reasons that they thought it was pointless or meaningless to serve God. The first reason that they said that it was pointless to serve God is that they didn't get any benefit from it. They didn't feel like there was a tangible benefit that came from serving and following the Lord. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? What does it gain me? What kind of profit can I get? From being repentant, from being reverent, from being sorry for sins, from keeping commandments. None of this, they're saying, none of this has gotten me anything tangible. And so they say that it's not worth serving God. What profit is there? I love that the Bible uses the word profit to describe how they're talking because it gets at the greedy way of describing the relationship with God. How can I make some profit from this obedient sort of thing, Lord? Lord. How can I get some tangible benefit from it? Be honest. Is this ever your attitude? Is this ever your attitude? In your heart of hearts, do you ever feel like God owes you something? That was the mentality here. And if we step back for a second, we know that it doesn't make sense. God is perfect and sinless and full of righteousness. He is the giver of every good gift. Every good thing that you have, you have received because God has given it to you. How in the world would he ever owe you anything? And yet, we come to him and we're like, I've been reverent, I've been sorry for sin, I've followed your law, now give me something, God. Show me some tangible benefit in following you. This is nonsense, but it's also oftentimes the way that we operate. And do you know what could revolutionize your life? Is if you stopped acting like God owed you anything. And you know, it would, it would revolutionize your marriage and your friendships, if you stopped using the same logic, if you never insisted on your own way, if you didn't keep a record of wrongs, if you always protected and always trusted and always persevered, if you acted in love, this would revolutionize your life. If you looked at yourself as the one that was called to give, it would revolutionize your life.
1: Today's message on grounded and growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message.
2: The first attitude was that God hadn't given these people anything tangible, so what was the profit in serving Him? The second the second was that the arrogant were blessed. Evil doers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and escape. They say, that here's what the people of Israel are saying. They're saying, not only have we not gotten anything, but all these wicked folks around here, all the arrogant people around here, these are the ones that get all the breaks. And maybe you have felt the same thing again. The powerful people in our society, by and large, By and large, those with power or wealth or influence are not righteous or holy or giving folks. The people who are leaders in government or media or pop culture or education, not exclusively, but many, many, many within that group are frankly wicked people who don't fear God and yet seem to have the easiest lives. I don't know, you can see it in some of the pictures that have been posted in the midst of this pandemic. One of the things that always gets my blood boiling is when I see the pictures of the wealthy who have decided to quarantine in their yachts. Maybe you've seen some of those pictures on Facebook or Instagram. Why is it that the wicked get to ride out this devastation in a floating spa? Why do they have it easy? Even when it's a global pandemic. I don't have it easy. My wife is in a COVID unit. She's on the front line. I have to preach to a camera, to an empty sanctuary. You see how I can do this too? You can see how I fall into this way of talking, just like these rebellious folks here in Malachi chapter three. This is not the way of the righteous. And verses 16 to 18 tell us what the righteous do. The righteous and the remembrance that they receive. There's a difference here from what happened in Malachi 2 verse 18. In Malachi 2:18, the whole of Israel is, is said to say, where is the God of justice? Here, something different has happened. There's a righteous group that comes together and they speak to each other. This time, there is a, a righteous group that doesn't join with the people who are questioning God's justice. This is the difference from chapter 2. Here there is a fruitful and a faithful remnant that has perhaps responded to the call to repent that has been going out from Malachi throughout this book from the messenger of the Lord. These people instead don't drag God's name through the mud. They don't question his justice. They don't talk about what God owes them. Instead, they speak with one another, refusing to defame the name of the Lord. And here is what is beautiful. Here's what's amazing. God hears them. And God writes their name in a book of remembrance. And the Lord says, They shall be mine. Let me tell you this better than anything. In the whole world. Better than anything you could possibly have. Or gain. Or profit. Better than anything. Is to have God say. You are mine. Better than anything else in the world. Is to have God write your name in his book of remembrance. And I want to say something. I want to speak this word to all of you Christians that are watching and maybe weary and burdened right now. I want to remind you of something that is so easy for us to forget. I want to remind you that if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the greatest thing in the universe. You're known by God and you're remembered by him and your name is in his book of life. There's no pandemic that can change that reality. There's no evil or injustice that can blot your name from the book of the Lamb. There's nothing. There's no power in the universe that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the greatest thing that you could possibly experience is to be known by God and to have him say, that one is mine. And that is what he says to you this morning. As you read the text of scripture here, if you are a God-fearer, if you are a person who fears the Lord, then you should hear the words of the Bible as the Lord speaking over you these beautiful words. They are mine. They shall be mine. You are God's. And no one, no one will ever be able to take you out of his hand. And let me tell you the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world is to not belong to God. To not have your name in His book. To belong to God is better than health. It's better than wealth. It's better than family or fame. It's better than a good job or a nice car or a good name. Better than any of that is to hear God say, You are mine. You are mine. And you know that that book, that book of remembrance that's talked about here in Malachi chapter 3, that is referenced in other parts of the scriptures as well. You probably remember in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, there is talk about that book of remembrance. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 20, 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence... The earth and the sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is why God says that there will be a distinction between the righteous and the one who does not serve him because God is the judge of history. And present position does not determine future reality. The present success of the wicked and the arrogant does not determine the future reality of the wicked or the arrogant. God determines History. There can be a lot of talk about being on the right side of history, but history is determined in the long view about who's written in that book of remembrance. What this is saying is that things are wrong right now. Right now is the time where the wicked and the arrogant and the evil seem to succeed. Right now is the time where death and sickness rain, but it will not always be so. God will make it right, God will make it right. And that's the next section, this right restoration. God is promising here that there will be a restoration, that everything will be made right. There's a time coming where wickedness, where sin, where death itself will all be destroyed. The Lord will appear in glory and in radiance. And his glory is going to burn up the wicked. And his glory is going to heal the righteous. Do you see that? Let me read chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And three, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. That day is coming. That day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord here in this section of scripture is likened to a great furnace, a great oven, and to the sun. These two analogies both speak of his burning, glorious radiance. And the heat, the heat of his burning, glorious radiance, will have one of two possible effects on you. <coughs> If you are wicked, and you come into, God's, into contact with God's glory, it will destroy you. And if you are righteous, and you come into contact with God's glory, it will heal you. The wicked, right now, as we live in the fallen world, where the wrong seems off so strong, in this world where powers and principalities and darkness still roams, in this world of sickness and death... The arrogant and the wicked are the ones who seem to succeed, but it will not always be so. When the Lord comes, all wickedness will be destroyed with fire. And this is what the book of Revelation talks about as well. When I talked about the book of remembrance, death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire, along with all of those that haven't had their names written in the book of life. But look at what happens to the righteous. The Son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. The same burning glory, which is destruction for all of those who are wicked and arrogant. This same burning glory, when it comes to those who trust in the Lord, is healing. For you who trust in the Lord, when Jesus returns, his glory will heal you. All of the blows that you took from turning the other cheek all the humiliation that you experienced from taking the lowliest position, all the strain that you've experienced from giving until it hurts, all the scars that you've borne from the arrogant or evil doers, all the persecution that the martyrs have faced as they were faithful to death, all of it will be healed by the son of righteousness. God will make everything right. And you'll rejoice. Maybe you've seen a calf let out of its stall into the open air, and maybe you've seen it leaping for joy. That's what Malachi here says that you and I will do who fear the Lord. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. As a part of my preparations for this sermon, I found myself uh, going down, you know, one of those kind of YouTube tunnels, right where I was watching videos of calves being leapt, let out of stalls and leaping for joy as they were brought out. It's really an amazing thing to watch. You can tell that they are so overwhelmed with the privilege of being out of that small stall and in the glory of creation, they just start bounding and leaping about. That's going to be you and me when, when we see our Savior. That's pretty amazing. You'll be so overwhelmed with the greatness of God and with the glory of Christ Jesus, our Redeemer, that you won't be able to keep it inside. You are going to dance and jump and shout and sing. Now, I know, I know all of you. I know myself. I know the tendency is not towards dancing or jumping or shouting. Not, not so much in this congregation. Not in my own heart. You know, I'm one of those staid personalities that has a hard time, at least when other people are watching, dancing or jumping or shouting or singing. But let me tell you this. When I see Jesus, when you see Jesus, when all of you who fear the Lord see Jesus, you're going to jump and shout and dance. Whew, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see when Jesus comes. And all of Orland Park Sears, he gets up and starts shouting and jumping and dancing. Along with all of those that trust in Jesus all throughout the world, all throughout time. When you see the great glory of the one whose righteousness and glory heals you, you're going to dance and jump.
1: My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word